Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 19. Resellers Mindset Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a good one. We are going to talk about shortcuts, the good, the bad, the lazy, the efficient, and everything in between. So I, I guess the first thing people try to shortcut is it's all like getting started, I think, is like where you run into a lot of the shortcuts, right? You just started reselling and you want to you're already looking for ways to kind of game the system, right? It's not, it's not like, you know, you want to put in the time and effort. A lot of people that get into reselling today, they see usually some kind of social media video of, you know, Johnny B's making a million dollars in his warehouse. He's driving Lamborghinis, you know, it's just, it's it's crazy. And it, and it works, right? A lot of people have gotten into reselling over the past few years more than ever. And uh, I think the, the unfortunate reality is a lot of people look for shortcuts right away. And that's probably the last thing you should do when you start reselling as a business overall. Um, I guess we'll jump into like, what's the biggest, if you started today and had to take one shortcut from the beginning, do you have something like that's on your mind that you would, would automatically come to the top of your head? Cause I, I know what mine would probably be if I went back, you know, to when I first started reselling or <clears throat> maybe when I was a lot younger for me, it would be um, not using, not cash flow in the business. Just just signing up for a credit card and saying, this credit card's my reselling business and I'm going to use this for everything. And that would be probably a shortcut. And I know a lot of people do that, especially not so much with media, but uh, RAOA, a lot of people are just like, well, I'm going to go get a credit card and this is how I'm going to build my business. And personally, for me, I think that's a stupid idea because that credit card has to be paid off every month. You're not going to turn your money over that quick starting out. So I think that's a shortcut that kind of irritates me personally. And I see a lot of people doing it. Um, you got a different one for me? Like if you just started out, what's something that, you know, maybe is like in the forefront of a shortcut that you see people doing that maybe you would do like in a different lifetime? Right. I did this later. I didn't do it at the beginning. And I was stupid for not doing it. Was getting all the free stuff, like the free roll or they're not roll labels, they're UPS labels. I got five, 10,000 of them for free. Um, and there's also free pickups, like for tubs and stuff. You see those tubs behind me? I got those for a different reason, but I could have started with looking on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, getting free equipment because you can search for the word free and see what can apply to your reselling business. I should have done that from the get go instead of let's head on down to Lowe's and get what I need. That would have been a smarter thing to do, but I did that later. Um, again, I was learning everything. I was like, oh, I'll get tubs. I'll get uh, I'll get packing tape. I'll get bubble wrap, but you can find that stuff free or relatively cheaper um, instead of going to a retail box store. Yeah. So basically, you know, a, a supply shortcut almost, right. You know, be, be a little bit smarter when you're starting out, but see the problem is here when people start out, JB, they want to run, they don't want to walk. They, they want to, you know, be making 10 K their first month. They're not, they're not here to climb the hill slow. They want to be at the top by, you know, the end of the month. 
And I think that's why a lot of things like that kind of get, you know, overlooked. And it is very, it's crazy how much free stuff you see is out there. We, you know, we're all using the, the freebie app and it's every day people putting up things for free. And I was the same way, you know, buying these shells. You know, do I really need these shells? Probably not. But hey, every other reseller on YouTube's got shelves. So guess what? The used book guy needs shelves or I'm inferior. <laughs> right. I think another thing with shortcuts is inventory people try to take shortcuts with inventory so you're probably thinking well, how can you get a shortcut with an inventory well for media the big shortcut is well hey jb where can i buy them gaylords of books that's the huge mm -hmm. shortcut uh we deal with you know all the time because mm -hmm. it's a shortcut in your mind because you see it as i have twenty thousand books showing up to my front door gross it, it's a shortcut up front, right? Because, hey, you're really not worried about the money. You need the inventory. But it's really, it's it's actually a long cut because once you get, you know, your 20,000 books, you got to figure out what to do with them. And regardless of what, you know, niche you're selling in, clothing, shoes, if somebody dumps that much inventory on you, you're going to be in for a world of trouble. And it's probably going to slow your business down more than, you know, if you were driving one hour, one way every day to go to a thrift store and cherry pick. Now, I will play devil's advocate here, though I do agree with you, but being the devil all of a sudden that I am, one of the bigger shortcuts down the road, not at the beginning, like you're saying, is to figure out how to make your supply come to you because your time ends up being more valuable, more precious. Doing the Gaylord route outside right when you start. No, 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 don't do that. I mean going to a garage sale and saying maybe buy it all and that's not an equivalent of a gaylord um let's say they had i don't know four or five totes of books that's a that's a smarter play to get your toes wet first of all and figure out how to deal in bulk um and maybe make smarter plays because going the gaylord route and i don't know if a lot of people realize that not all of it is going to be profitable and I'm not talking about just pulling the greens out. I'm talking about from batch to batch. So your second Gaylord, your first one may had 40 greens in it. Great. I'm going to do this all the time. Woohoo. Your next batch may have 10 or five or none. So you got to experiment with that. And that's, again, a long-term play. Um, me, I don't deal in Gaylords, but I do deal in bulk. But I go out and pick up my inventory. I can see my inventory. I can touch it. I don't play the freight cost game. I mean... I'm playing the gas and time game, sure. Um, it does take time, and sometimes it's two or three trips. But um, I do it. I think what I do is smarter in the sense of I know what I'm getting before it just suddenly shows up on my front door. However, I do trade off my time for that and wear and tear in my own personal vehicle. I think, and I think you brought, you kind of hit a good point here. Is like uh, a lot of shortcuts come from people that are just starting right you know it's hard for like me or you to come up with a shortcut because we've been doing this for years maybe we can refine a process but i think that's just a change in vocabulary as you sell longer um yes. and as you take your business more serious it's not a hobby you treat it as a business i think your vocabulary changes so like i'm never like hey i got a shortcut for you it's always like you know hey maybe do this to save yourself some time or change your process. We we never, I don't even think before this, we've ever even said the word shortcut to each other in all the conversations we had. I never use it. I use it. I use the term refinement or my process. That's what I use. I don't say shortcut. 
I mean, if you think about it, like the, we'll say the first three months you started reselling, that goes for anybody out there. If uh, somebody dumped a, you know, 20,000 items that you had to look through and sell, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't make it past that point because it would just be too much. And a lot of people start out, they go right into it. They don't want to, you know, walk the steps. They want to go right to the top. And unfortunately, in media, at least, Gaylords is that thing. And, you know, other people do it where you just, you know, a whole bunch of clothes, even if you're a clothes seller or a shoe seller, like everything still has to be processed. And just because, you know, you got 20,000 items sitting there, that don't mean nothing. Who cares? They'll probably sit there for the rest of the year because you're never going to get through it. And what I hate, and no offense to the other YouTubers that have actually done this and were successful doing it, but I see them buy like the Goodwill pallets or the Amazon return boxes too. And they say, woohoo, bunches of money. These two items pay for the whole thing. Well, the counter argument that a lot of people run into, it's not even an argument, it's just fact. They'll get that same box from that same company and there's no items that cover the thing of the box. Um, or there's just a bunch of stuff that's going to take you forever to get through, especially if it's mixed, like a, a Goodwill box would be mixed. It's usually not a, well, it can be, but usually it's just a box of mixed things. Now you're an everything seller. How do you deal with everything? And that just puts you in through a whole other whirlwind of problems you got to deal with you got to get different boxes you got to figure out what you can sell on what platform and it's a nightmare unfortunately pal nobody's going to show their uh mystery pallets they bought and lost a thousand dollars exactly <laughs> nobody wants to click on that nobody's going to click on that it's not good youtube content i mean it would be because people you know people like that kind of stuff right people kind of like seeing other people fail to an extent but i feel like people uh, especially some of these people on YouTube, they're too they're too proud to say that I lost a dollar. You know, if I say I lost a dollar, that's the end of the line. Like it's it's ridiculous. Oh man, I would be more entertained by those videos. That would that would actually teach me a lot more than what they won on, because I like to see what they lost on, so I know what's not worth my time, what's not worth my money. I think that's a lot more valuable, actually. Yeah, but uh, sitting there recording yourself saying you just lost a thousand dollars, you know, and people ain't got the guts to do that kind of thing. At least not yet. I mean, there, I'm sure there's some out there, but like you said, you know, I I even seen like there's there's even like reality shows about this stuff. I seen them the, the other day. Um, it's like just people, you know, cutting open their pallet of Amazon returns, and that's a hundred dollar bill, and that's a three hundred dollar bill. Like, get out of here! You guys are living in a fantasy world. It's not even true. Like what they're saying, it's worth. All yeah. right, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Before I move on to the next topic, I was going to segue us to the next topic, but you go ahead. It's your no, show. No, no, no. You went first. You went first. You got to go. All right. Um, another thing I thought was a shortcut is space. Um, and I'm going to reference these tubs that I referenced earlier. See how they stack all nice and neat? Well, guess what? They stack all nice and neat in my truck too, and I can go about four high like that with zero straps because they have divots in them and they stack like Legos. And because of their weight, they don't really shift around because they're books, right? Now, if you're dealing in lighter products like DVDs, I don't know if I do that. But in books, I would do that. So that was a shortcut because even when they come in, I can stack them like that until I get to them, which makes it more space efficient, honestly. Um, so how do you maximize, especially for your people that are still working out of your home or your garage, how do you maximize your small space? Because even my warehouse is really small. I don't think I spoke about it other than it is. It's not even a whole warehouse, guys. It's half of one. I share this building. 
Mine's about on the interior, a thousand and forty-six square feet. It's small. I got about fourteen hundred if you include the por- front porch, but I don't use the front porch really. But I literally have probably forty to fifty thousand books in here, all things said and done, in a thousand square feet. And I did it smartly because these bookshelves go pretty much to the ceiling. Those tubs go there, and then I can stack the tubs to the ceiling when they're empty. It's I, I thought about how do I work in a small space. And I think that's going to help me out when I go to a larger space because I can stay in my larger space or medium space a lot longer learning how to use space efficiently. I mean, you and I have talked about on the side how to, on your storage unit. Here, Mike, here's what I did when I worked out a storage unit because I was like, Mike, I had one and then I had eight eventually. And now I'm in a warehouse. But it's how do you work with what you got? And that's, again, that's going to eat up some time capital because you got to put your think cap on. But in my my opinion, that's well worth it. And that is a grade A shortcut. Take some time to think about what you're doing before you just do it. And well, you did it wrong. Now you gotta correct your mistake. Yeah, I think you I think that kind of, you know, that's a big, a big one, right? Is take your time and you know, think think ahead where your business is gonna be in the next month, the next month. Uh don't make the impulse decision today to just say, hey, I'm gonna go buy all this stuff that you don't need yet. We will cross that bridge when the time comes. And by the time that that time comes, you're going to have a lot more knowledge of what your business looks like, what exactly you need. Instead of just, you know, it's like you get a warehouse today, right? I get a warehouse today and I just go buy random totes and shelving. And I don't even like, you really don't know. Fit in the actual shelf you bought? But I mean, it looks pretty right though. You know, you walk in, here's my whole warehouse with empty shelving. Well, you know, you can't just take a picture of the warehouse without shelving and, you know, things. So it's like, it's, it's weird. It's like kind of pulls on just people's natural instinct to just make things look pretty, I guess, you know, and have space filled up. I mean, personally, it's not OCD mentality. It just looks nice and everything looks all organized. Like I've seen people buy, their shelves yay big, right? You can't see my hands, but they're about a foot and a half for you people listening. But then they buy totes about eight inches. Well, you just lost some inches. Wouldn't it be smarter to buy some totes that fit in that shelf, make it its maximum, and then enough room where you can pull it out easily, maybe an inch on either side. But I, I don't I, I think they get caught into what you're saying. They like it to be pretty and organized. And who are you showing this off to? I mean, other than yourself, you're showing your wife, look, hey, look, it's all pretty, wife or husband. Hey, husband, it's all pretty. So what you're saying is if I didn't have a YouTube channel, my storage unit would be even more of a mess than it already is. And you're 100% correct because, you know, I don't, I don't want to come off as a, a slob, right? I don't want my just books everywhere in the background. It's still we a mess. we got posters on yours, but I get why you do that. That's for YouTube. And you like that stuff you have on your wall. It's your studio, more or less. Yeah, yeah. It's more or less my studio, you know, and it's not just random, random stuff. You know, I'll keep those right. when I move out of my unit. Those are going to stay with me wherever I go, right? So, um. But yeah, I think a lot of people kind of get caught up with that. And it's not really a shortcut going out today and buying something that you don't need. It's, that's that's a bad cut. Like, hang on to your receipt because you're probably going to return it because you're not going to need it. Um, one thing for me with my new bookcases, all the shelves are adjustable. There you so, go. So, I mean, if you're going to go that route and you want to go buy things today, then have something that you can change down the road, right? Because some of these shelving units, like I have the huge plastic, the big plastic ones, right? And you can't move those shelves. And like you said, the spaces in between them 
are so huge. You can't, for me, thankfully, I made it, I put all my packing material on there, but you couldn't store any kind of products on there efficiently because they're not all the same size and they're huge. Like the boxes, it would just be, it just wouldn't make sense. But if you go to Home Depot, they're the cheapest ones you can get because they're not adjustable. They're not metal and, you know, it costs you 40 bucks. So I can see why people do it, but you don't, you don't really think it through, honestly. Now, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast now, but I talked to the, our Discord group about it and you. I had custom bookshelves uh, built on three different models. So I'm still going through the prototype bit stage, but my requirements for all of them, it's able to fit through the front door. I don't have to deconstruct it. It can just be carried out. It's heavy. It takes four of us to move it, but it could just be carried out through the front door. It's a standard size door. And these things are very tall. They're close to 10 feet tall each. That was part of the building thing because I was planning for the long term. I cannot, I'm not going to stay in my half size warehouse forever. And everything I bring in here, I need to be able to take with me. So I'm investing in things that fit that metric that I'm not just going to toss away or I'm not going to just sell off down the road. Everything that I'm getting now, and even if I was in a storage unit, same mentality. Wherever I do my grow mode, that stuff has to come with me. How does it come with me? What fits that metric in order to make that jump? Um, so thinking law, getting that thought process in your mind ahead of time will save you a lot of time and actual money because I don't want to have to rebuy stuff down the road. Why would I rebuy stuff just because I moved? I want to be able to use what I have forever. I got the uh, the ultimate eBay shortcut I'm going to throw at you, Mr. eBay guy. Okay. Um, before I give you my opinions on, I'm going to let you, you know, run it into the ground or lift it up to the sky. Uh, right. The big eBay shortcut is sell similar item. Yes. All right. Give me pros and cons. The pros are selling something similar off yourself because you set it up properly. Selling similar off somebody's listing and you taking the risk of it being wrong because you don't know any better or you don't know you the information is half right and you spend a lot more time correcting somebody else's mistakes now, that's not saying you didn't make mistakes off your own listing but i believe you can trust what you did the quality of your work a lot more than what somebody else did so but you won't have sell similar off something brand new in your store right off the bat so you have to build those listings from scratch yourself the first time um, today I can sell similar off myself, um, pretty easily. Um, but some of my older listings, I, even when I do sell similar, I notice mistakes I made way early on. And I still have to spend time correcting my own past mistakes. Past me was a lazy person. Um, but present me is not so lazy. So something that I sold last month that I can sell similar off of, even if it's genre based, uh, helps me out dramatically. That's a huge quote unquote shortcut. So do you sell similar off other people at all now, or is it? No, never. Woo. See, listen, that's an eBay pro you're listening to. Only sell similar off itself. Me, one listing a day. I maybe sold similar off myself a few times with uh, just certain things, um, like my little metal bikes. There's no listing, so I just sold similar off that. But I will sit here and say 100% everything he said is true because – when I sell similar, I'm not just, you know, I think what a lot of people do, you'll probably agree, is they're not double checking no, Bozo, no. Bozo the Clown's work from before, right? They did, I, a, they did a low quality listing and they're going to sell it 
or you're going to sell it before they do and you're going to maybe get a return you're going to get maybe get an item not as described it's not worth it it's it, you're 100 correct also when it comes to it takes a lot more time when you're double checking somebody else's work rather yeah. than just doing it yourself um especially with books i see it all the time i just the people like i don't even know what they try to, some people try to put in the measurements of the books the page numbers and everything is just wrong. Like the publisher's wrong. And I'm not even talking like, you know, it's like a double day book publisher and they won't even have anything close to that. It'll just be like, you know, the used book guy published this and, you know, in 1901 when it's really, you know, 1981. It's, it's uh, first in DVDs and CDs because in the title structure, it pulls special characters, commas, parentheses. The eBay algorithm doesn't like special characters if you're not in the know. Exclamation points, star emojis. Who wants Dude, a star emoji? I sold something that had a fire emoji in the title. How do you like that? I mean, I'm not saying they don't sell. I'm just saying eBay as a whole doesn't like it. In my defense, it was a self-similar. <laughs> so I think uh, I think that's a shortcut that when you start out, um, if you're going to go that route, just make sure you're double checking everything. Yeah. Listen, you don't know who is creating these. It's not like, you know, they're eBay, eBay, you know, listing some professional eBay person is doing this. You know, this is uh, Johnny B 2.0 lives in a different timeline. Don't know what he's doing and just putting whatever numbers he thinks. He looks at the book and says, ah, there's probably 200 pages in this <laughs> 200 pages. Ah, this is probably, you know, published in 1960. <laughs> well, I think what happens is. Funnily enough, we're going to tie Amazon into eBay. Funnily enough, I think a lot of those sell similars that are scanned are the scans from the eBay scraping uh, when you use cross-listing software. When it's sold so much, eBay takes it, okay, this is the default thing when it's scanned on eBay, right? But that Amazon listing is wrong. So people, it's, a, it's like a fax machine, right? A copy of a copy of a copy. But the, the starting copy was wrong to begin with. Even though it still sells, but the information's wrong, and it just takes a couple of bad returns if you do this in scale to, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now, boys and girls. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good tool. You just have to double-check the work if you're going to be selling similar off other people. Um, Unfortunately, that's just the reality of it, and it doesn't take that long anyway. So don't just hit self-similar and just scroll past all the item descriptions right to the bottom, right? It's like I could see so many people doing that, and I see it all the time because – there's no difference in the description of the items. It's the same description. Oh yes, you know it's there's no there's no change in anything. So you can go look on eBay for anything now. You'll see ten of the same listings, and they're all wrong because they all hit sell. Right, they're all using the same stock photo, right? And that's and like I was saying at the beginning, when you're starting, you're not going to have anything to sell similar off yourself off because you're still building your store. Take the time to learn it instead of trying to sell similar off somebody else. So you can do, I think you should do a better quality job than a quantity job at the end of the day. Now, there's other arguments for just throw enough up there and law of averages will take effect. You'll sell stuff. You'll sell more than the guy taking his time. However, for me, I disagree with that mentality. And I like doing a quality job with my listings. And I'm not saying the quantity guy's wrong when it comes to mathematics and how much profit they're going to pull in if they throw up 30,000 listings in four months. I'm not, but I'm saying the risk versus reward long long term, like two or three years down the road, your, your metrics aren't going to be that great or you're going to 
you're going to make so many mistakes off of that quantity game where you could get your account shut down if you're not monitoring what's going on. If you're trusting in your software so much that you're not monitoring a mistake, but it, it's a mistake compounded by like 3,000 items, right? And those 3,000 items sold and those 3,000 returns come in, that, that may shut your account down and you're screwed. That's going to get us into software, software shortcuts. Ooh, um, they These things exist heavily on Amazon. eBay, there is, you know, cross-listing software, like you said. So the, it does exist on eBay as well when it comes to cross-listing. But on Amazon, I've actually seen it a lot more recently, um, is when it comes to repricing items, right? The shortcut for this would be when you list an item, I'm going to list everything at $75 and my repricer is going to take care of it and price my thing accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, at first, you're on the outside and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't got to put in a price for every single item. I can just have it set to price everything and that's going to save me, you know, X amount of time. And it might look good from the outside. But once you even open that door a little bit, you realize like this is not a good idea at all. I've seen it. I've, I've personally known people that have done this and it's literally destroyed their Amazon store and they literally just wound up. You just stop, stop Amazon altogether because, you know, when, when you mess with software and messes with every single thing, like software is, is good, but it can also be really bad if you, if you don't have it in line. No, 100%. And I'm not going to discredit anyone currently using software because I know a, a lot of my big seller friends that are in media, they they use cross-listing software. And I've thought about it heavily. I could shift to that route, but I know I know the damning effects that come with that. If the software goes down, well, you're kind of screwed for the day, but you'll recover the next day or over the course of the week, sure. But if they go out of business, you got to pivot to another listing software. That's a whole lot of money lost during that game. However, there's a lot of gains. You can you, uh, you honestly you can just sling up so much more, so much faster. Bottom line, no questions there. It, the software doesn't complain. The software don't need to take a sick day. The software doesn't need to take vacation. It's always there. There are a lot of benefits with software. Um, and the other the other negative I would say you can't really do custom photos that much. I mean, some of them you can. You can go back in and edit them but for by and large a lot of them don't allow photos so you're stuck with the stock photos with everybody else using stock photos or the same listing software right so all listings looks the same you don't really stand out and that's morally important to ebay less so on amazon because everybody's buying the same off the same listing right but anywhere else you branch off into you need to separate yourself somehow some way and it's harder to do that with cross-listing software software is deadly I mean, if you if you screw up, I mean, just think about like your every pricing software. If you mess up one of those boxes, I mean, that's it. It's going to reprice every single item you got probably where you don't want it to be. And it, it can get ugly quick. And um, just trying to take shortcuts when it comes to messing around with software. I think it's I think it's not good. I mean, I think I'm I, I'm kind of glad that I'm not great with technology because like when I set things up like that, it takes me two hours because I want to make sure everything is the way it's supposed to be, because I know if something goes wrong, everything's going wrong. And how do you go back and fix it? Well, that's like, that's, you know, hours, days of your life, you're not going to get back. I mean, that's like, you know, your thousands of books you have on eBay, if there was a software that, you know, had the pricing and you put, you know, 1999 
uh, instead of you know nine ninety nine, everything would be screwed up. And how do you go back and fix that? Because the software doesn't have fail safes in place, right? Once you hit submit, that's it. Skynet's taken over. You're at the will of Skynet. Whatever happens, happens. Right. Let's say you're trying to reprice at thirty nine ninety nine, and you said three ninety nine, free ship. Ouch. Ouch. And, and you are sorely mistaken if you don't think people have bots out there that are looking for items that are priced way under zero dollars uh they will buy every single one and then you are even stuck with more of a headache i mean you're basically i mean what happens on ebay say if i had a thousand items i -hmm. meant to sell them for you know 39.99 i put in 3.99 and someone bought them all what would happen if i said hey i don't want to fulfill these orders would ebay cancel your account well Probably, actually, because um, your metrics would get dumped so low. Um, your your store is basically broken to the point where you can't make any money. You actually get higher fees on top of that when you get so many claims. Um, I think you can go up to like 50%, but you're already selling it at a lot. Well, let's say you cancel them. You're going to owe – you're still going to owe somebody a lot of money, whether it's eBay or the customer, right? Um, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Now, I have heard of this. What happens when a seller dies? What happens to their eBay account, right? I think we were kind of talking about this on the call, but funnily enough, we were also talking about it in the other group. I didn't bring it up. It just happened. Uh, what happens is those items are still for sale. And you don't fulfill the order, and your metrics just go down, down, and down, and down. And your feedback, this is this is the really sad, tragic part of this. Your feedback gets filled with all this hate messaging and spouses come along. They have no idea how to do eBay because there's other spouse that died, did not tell them how to shut down the account. eBay is no help when because they don't have access to the account itself. All they could see are these horrible messages about the loved one that died. That's their last. That's all they know about this person. That's who they are now, this horrible person. And that's, that's sad. That's crazy. That's just crazy to think about. Um, I know on Amazon. I've actually, you know, seen and heard horror stories where they accidentally repriced their item or uh, they were doing this uh, international, right? So you got to list it in Canada or Mexico and you got to put in the amount in like pesos, right? Because it's it's not U.S. dollars and they put in the wrong thing and somebody bought every single one and it was thousands of units. It wound up costing the company like well over $100,000 and Amazon's response was, the order's already placed. It's FBA. There's nothing we can do. So like, right? The, the eBay, Amazon, and Macari, Poshmark, all of them, they stick to the policy. They do not care about accidents. Your mistake. They don't care about your mistakes. They don't care about accidents. They don't care about anything other than their policy. They will stick to that no matter what. Uh, another shortcut here. We kind of talked about like listing a little bit, but I think. Uh, I think photos get shortcutted a lot. One hundred percent, they get they get shortcutted. People may do one, two, or three. Well, it doesn't matter in Amazon, I guess, but on eBay, stock photos, I see them so much, and I, I can't tell, and because they do zero descriptions on top of the no photos, and I can't tell anything about the book other than the title. Right, it's supposedly the right title. I I think I think you're right. It's hard to tell, like. Why people, you know, do the wait uh, better than the stock photos? I'm gonna one up you here. People that have blurry flip phone photos for their items. 
their 1997 phone yeah 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 or like the photos that have like the date and time on the bottom like they like, like it was like a polaroid they uploaded you know it'll be like and the photos like 10 years ago it'll be like yeah you know this photo it's 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 crazy and it's the thing the photos are is the photos and the description and the titles what's going to sell your item those right. things are non-negotiable for shortcuts when it comes to ebay selling and you just you just can't do it there's why why even bother just shortcutting those and and then you know in a month you'll be complaining that well reselling sucks i made no money well how many shortcuts did you take along the way here your first month if you look like everybody else, and let's say everybody else had the same price too, just all things are equal. Yeah. What? How long is your item going to sit? Especially if you're talking about twenty or thirty of the same item on eBay. How? I mean, you got a one in thirty chance, right? Oh. Are you willing to play that game? Especially if you're not listing that many things, you got to stand out a little bit. Especially for your smaller guys who are just getting started on eBay. Maybe you're listing one to five a day. You got to make yours look the best do a quality listing with a quality price. Like you can't do a quality listing and then charge five times as much. I mean, sometimes you can, but a lot of the times you cannot play that game because nobody's going to buy it because you outpriced yourself, even though you've got the best listing out there. It doesn't matter in some cases. You got to bring your item more in line with the market price of the day. So that requires you so a little bit of research on top of all the work you put into your listing to know what the market will bear and what the market will purchase. You can't, again, you can't have your, you look like clone B, C through Z, right? I will admit when I first started um, eBay, I was 100% lazy with the photos. And if I would have been into books and eBay when I first started, I probably just would have took a picture of the front of the book and the back of the book. And that would have been it. I mean, that's just, that's just honesty. I mean, that's just how I was I mean, when I started. You're above the stock photo people. Slightly, you're slightly above those people. So yeah, but it's like, is it, you know, is that is that even any better than stock photos, right? Just the front and the back. I mean, that's basically your own stock photo. Right. I mean, but you got two. They got one, and theirs is the same as everybody else. So you're slight. But take it a step further. You then have twelve photos or yeah. ten photos. Now you're a step above a lot of the two photo guys, right? You gotta think along those lines. You don't have to be the best. Some people aim to be the best, but you gotta stand away from the majority. You gotta be in that top ninety percent to guarantee your item will move, in my opinion. Yeah, or at least I mean, move in a relatively quicker amount of time. And now I'm taking, you know, nine photos per single book at least. So I mean, you you learn, but like that's one of those things, right? We kind of hit on in the beginning of this shortcuts only exist when you first start I, I i mean there's really nobody that's you know doing this forever and just tries to shortcut something down the road because they know it doesn't make sense so it's like it's it's tough because you want to start you want to get results fast but you have to do things the right way um so like another shortcut that comes to amazon is basically you know condition notes you don't got to do condition notes on amazon that's a shortcut that'll save you time um Every single time, don't waste time with condition notes on Amazon because you don't have to. Nobody's really looking at condition notes on Amazon. So there are shortcuts that make sense, right? When you have your repricing software set up correctly, you know, that makes sense. It works correctly. There, so there are shortcuts. And when you have your own, you know, set of listings, drafts, like on eBay, you can shortcut yourself and use self-similar. So there are ways you can shortcut to save yourself time correctly. It's just avoiding the the huge pitfalls that a lot of people jump into, especially when they first start out. You can you can cut corners, um, but if you do it the wrong way, your your results are just going to tank, and you're not going to get it 
especially starting out and you're going to wind up quitting. That's all it comes down to is you take, if you take these shortcuts we talked about, uh, your business is going to go nowhere. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> if, you, if you do every shortcut we talked about. Now here, here's a big one I want to talk about is your pre-processing both for Amazon and eBay. We'll go to Amazon first. Like we were talking about this a little bit with the CDs, having your things you need to photo scan, your ISBNs, the ones with the barcodes, and the ones you need to crack open, right? Set all that up on one table first before you do any kind of scanning or attempt to scan. Um, take all of them, whether it's one box or 50 boxes. It's the same mentality of getting that, that pre-process set up. Now, on eBay, it's a little bit different. Um, I set it up by genre, or I set the things up as similar as I can. So genre, let's say sci-fi. And then within that, okay, sci-fi by publisher. Okay. And then sci-fi by publisher by this author. Or then again, sci-fi publisher, this author, hardback, paperback. That's going to make your photo time go faster. It sure as heck is going to make your listing time go faster. And the more similar the item that you're doing for the day or the segment of the day, it just makes the day so much better because i used to just grab 30 40 books or whatever just try to list through them right but i had this one has a dust jacket this one has this one's a romance novel uh, by this weird author and then my next one be i don't know some non-fiction biography book and just made everything take so longer because the thing with the publisher especially if you're doing photos in kind of a uniform way the title page isn't necessarily in the same place each time the the copyright date page may not be in the same place or the you got to take the dust jackets off uh, there's just all kinds of problems when you don't account for that now i'm not saying you can't mix things up during your process but it's a lot easier if most things are the same your day will be a lot less hellish honestly yeah so so the shortcut to that would be i'm just taking everything out i'm not looking at what it is and just stacking it and going through it one by one that shortcut oh, yeah. might seem good, right? Because, hey, he's wasting time. He's separating these books on the table before he does anything with them. Me, I'm just getting them up there and going through them one by one. You are, you're going to be sorely mistaken when that, when, you know, when you realize that, hey, this is taking way longer than I thought it would. Right. Even in Amazon, doing that barcode, ISBN, non-barcode, cover scan, crack book open pile, such a time saver. It really is. I don't think you can shortcut processes. I think processes are process. They're called processes for a reason. I mean, there are steps that have to be done. And if you try to shortcut processes, basic processes here, you're going to lose every single time. It might seem like a good idea, but I promise you that to, after the first day of you trying to shortcut something that needs to get done, you're going to be like, that was a complete waste. I don't even know why I bothered. But then you learn from it. Hopefully, hopefully you learn from it. Ho hopefully you learn from it. Just stop, just stop, uh, stop with the nonsense shortcuts and just, just accept the fact that any business takes time to develop processes, to develop, you know, you're basically a brand new starter business from zero dollars. It's going to take time. Unfortunately, I don't care what Bozo's telling you on what social media platform that they're a billionaire overnight because they do it this way. That is not the reality of your reselling business or anybody's reselling business. Right. And I, I think since you brought up the YouTubers, I'll segue into them. Just because it worked for them, and I'm not saying they're wrong, whoever you're watching, doesn't mean it'll work for you. And people take a YouTuber's word as the law of the land. It's etched in stone. 
you and I can watch a video. We know either it is going to work for us or not, or maybe it'll work when we watch it. And most of the time it's no these days because you and I have been at this a little longer than most. Like I, I've seen some ones where I just shake my head like he's wrong because I've done that. I know he's wrong, but he's saying he's right. And he's telling all these other people he's right. And I feel bad for those people that believe he's right because I know he's dead wrong or she. Take take influences from people, but do not think that it's, you know, the, the way of the land. You can kind of develop your own thing. And no matter what, you're going to have to develop your own thing. So whether or not JB does something or I do something Maybe you can take a piece from it and see if it fits in your business. But at the end of the day, your processes from start to finish are going to be completely different than any other reseller on the face of this earth. Like you and I had a discussion about coupons the other day. It may or may not work for you based off the size of your store. And you decide not to do it. And that's okay. Because I kind of agree with you, the size of your store, you wouldn't see a huge benefit for the time investment. Mine, it works great because of the size of my store and most things are the same. It's mostly all books. And they're mostly, I have a huge variety, but within said variety, there's a lot of the same thing. Um, but it's simple things like that. Again, may work for me, may not work for Mike, just based off your personal business circumstances. Be smart with the shortcuts. May, do things that make sense. Processes are not meant to be shortcutted. You can refine processes. You can't shortcut processes. I think that's like, you know, kind of a good slogan to kind of live by here. Um, yeah, so, so be smart with shortcuts. Do things that make sense. Overall, don't, don't do things you see online. Um, if you see something basically out there, you can see maybe, oh, let me go try this, try that, see if it fits in your business. But don't think just because somebody else is doing it and has success with it or, you know, success, they show success. That doesn't really mean, you know, that's the real picture of what's actually going on in their business. Right. When I see something that intrigues me, I don't go, wow, that's cool. I'm going to do it. I always have that reservation because I used to do that. I always had that ration. That sounds like a really cool idea. I'm going to try it out for a little while to see if it works because I honestly don't know. Because I tried a lot of things where it's going to work for me because it worked for them. And guess what? It did not work. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.